0: Welcome to another rendition of Score Talk, where we discuss gems in the world of film music. I'm Zed Burroughs, coming to you from desolate New York City.
1: Desolate? Lord.
0: Desolate New York City.
1: <laughs> I think we're all in the same situation. I'm Moray Amstanler, coming to you from London, where it's pretty quiet here as well. It's a bit of a dead town.
2: And I'm Gage, uh, and I'm... Uh... Calling in from Budapest, where I think the weather is sunny, but I don't see any people outside. They usually don't see any people outside. So, you know, I'm lucky. I'm <laughs>
0: isolated. Nice. So, yeah, my I only have one window in my room, and it's uh, to the backyard, it's to the courtyard. So, no, I don't see any people outside as well. And so, this has been a really bit of a crazy, crazy month and a half or so, almost two months. And you know, with everything being virtually shut down, including the movie theaters, there's nothing. I mean, I, I've been trying to catch some new releases. I think. I think. So let me ask you guys a question. What was the last movie that you caught in theaters before the quarantine?
1: Uh-huh. For me, it was
2: 1917. Okay. Yeah. I'm a cinema goer, so I don't. I don't think even I recall. Maybe. I think it's like five years ago, maybe something like. Th- th- there was that Liam Neeson movie, The Tombstones. I think that was that was the day. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. And, and we didn't want to watch it. We went there for something else, and it, it was it wasn't actually showing that day. So, you know, who do you trust, Liam
0: Neeson? So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for me, it was uh, it was Onward. I caught it just before New York went into lockdown. It's now on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, For those of us who are you know paying a disney plus subscription um it was okay i didn't you know i i I know a lot of people are saying oh my god pixar masterpiece it's fine Mm -hmm. i don't think it's as good as up or you know or ratatouille Ratatouille,
1: yeah
0: (laughs) yeah but you know that's just me okay but um but we hope that you are all uh comfortable and keeping safe and keeping healthy and um, this is this is a really hard time for everybody, but um, we hope that you are all finding time not only to write and be creative, but to also just, you know, keep yourselves comfortable and watch the things that make you feel good, that make you feel comfortable and secure and sweet and bubbly in this crazy time. And so with so with this list of the five scores that make us feel that we look to for comfort, Um, I am restricting myself to only one Disney musical. So, because otherwise this list would have been... Well, I know
1: what that's going to be. Do you? It's got to be Aladdin.
0: No. Really? Aladdin's got some scary stuff in there. You know?
1: You know what? So so that's the thing. Like, I think everybody's interpretation of comforting is going to be a little different. For me, comforting is not necessarily, um, oh, it's it's a mellow you know peaceful kind of score for me i would say what makes me feel comfortable and and at peace or serene is mm-hmm. something that kind of takes me back to my childhood something that's like quite nostalgic mm-hmm. um so yeah my list might be a little bit different to yours but let i mean i didn't really make a list per se but let's see how we get on so what's your disney right. score <laughs> i'm really
2: curious well
0: well gergate uh let's start let's uh i'm, I'm curious about your criterion
2: Uh, I think now I had absolutely no idea what to do here. I mean, I never turned to music for comfort. For Mm -hmm. me, it's uh, it's a working equipment. So I was like, uh, until about 10 seconds ago, I had no idea what to talk about. And maybe maybe I will latch on to Miriam's definition to maybe think about stuff that I saw as a child. And I maybe I just share five comforting tales of of you know various nature because uh, for me music ne- never gives that absolutely I'm just going to oh yeah this is where they where they you know messed up the editing you know so I'm too analytical for that it's, right. it's <laughs> not, yeah. I don't feel so.
0: all right um, and we were also going to talk a little bit about ice cream I
2: think. <laughs> yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so you remember we could. We could- we could talk about ice cream also. I'm so, actually
1: not much of an ice cream fan. I, I don't think I'll have much to contribute in this area, but Gerke seems to know his ice creams pretty well.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that's my comfort food. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's see.
2: But like, you uh, know, in a way, like, like full boxes at one
0: time. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll think about comfort food during this. So, Miriam, why don't you go first?
1: Um. So, for me, uh, well, I think it's probably important to know that I'm not listening to film scores much anymore, like uh, I, I, I'm taking advice from John Powell and I'm removing myself from film scores so that I can try and find inspiration in something a bit different, um, but if I were to put on a film score that would kind of just um, take me back a bit and just something that I'm that I'm so familiar with, and I and I know exactly what's coming next. And you just there's something very comforting in that. Um, would probably be something from Harry Gregson Williams, um, and I would probably go to Narnia, Chronicles of Narnia, the first one. I love that score. I'm so familiar with it. There's something takes me back to very specific moments. As a I was already an older teenager when that movie came out, but it was one of the first scores I'd bought uh yeah mm-hmm. that that's 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 one of my top
0: mm-hmm. i remember to we had
2: de-
0: i remember we dedicated an entire episode to talking about narnia we did. And i remember it, it was uh it was fun to revisit and all i i still don't know if i like the movie very much just because um you know i just think it a lot of a lot of it just drags here and there but no it, it's certainly it's certainly a fun score i like the i think i mentioned that i really like the early string parts where they're still in london um, I know, I know some people really down against those. I remember you telling me that, but um, you know, when they're saying goodbye to the mother and stuff, you know, I think he does, you know, he does those uh, kind of strings really well.
1: Well, so, it's not about the, necessarily the content of, the, of you know, the score. Um, Is there's there's just a, a sense of familiarity with it that I don't know. I, I guess I like things to not be. Um, unpredictable, you know, I, I like to listen to something that I know and I know what's coming next and it I don't know It's just yeah, it take me back to that that time.
0: Fair enough. All right. right. So, uh, I guess if there's uh Gerda, any comments on Narnia? Absolutely nothing <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: The only thing is like how you know in the mid 2000s how studios after Narnia was kind of a success. They were like, Okay, what other movies have giant talking animals in it? And suddenly, the Golden Compass was made. So, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, this cannot that. be a coincidence. Probably not. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I was very really too. Uh, I I remember the old you Narnia know, TV series, the six part miniseries, which was in nineteen eighty eight. That one I remember seeing. This modern second, like, it just hits me at two, you know, two cynical finish to have any connection to that. Hmm. All
0: right. All right. So, um, so for so for my list, I kind of I didn't necessarily go with things that I saw as a child. Although a couple of them I saw, um, some of them I didn't see until I was an adult. But um, these are these are ones from movies that are generally just when I want the most wholesome things. And these can range from you know Disney musicals to you know sentimental dramas here and there. I'm gonna go with my earliest pick. This is my Disney musical um, from 1964, Mary Poppins. And I just, so it's kind of cheating a little bit to put, I mean, maybe it's not cheating to put a Disney on here, but the songs, first of all, the songs are so catchy and they're so memorable. And the way way that they're weaved throughout the underscore, it kind of set the template um, for what Alan Menken uh, would do later. But um, when when I want something, when I want comfort food, you know, and nearly every single song in Mary Poppins is just so so fun and so marvelous um and i just can't think of any other ways that it's just it's just really insanely good comfort food and um you know anything from spoonful of sugar to jolly holiday and and the movie itself is just so nostalgic and uh and so beautiful and such a masterpiece um and i Few things make me cry harder than Feed the Birds, so... Really? No. Well, how can you not cry harder than Feed the Birds? It's
1: just so, like, Honestly, Zev, the last time I saw that Mary Poppins, oh, I, I have no idea. I, I haven't seen it for a really long time.
0: I should go back and uh, watch it. And, you know, this is the perfect time to watch Mary Poppins. Yeah, because you
2: you're right. I think I will make my Disney pick now, Then Uh I, I, I mean, you know, there's this kind of uh, stereotype that because I love music, I love musicals. I don't. I really don't. And one of the reasons for that is that, you know, technically nowadays when, uh, you know, Disney releases um, any kind of movie abroad, they demand that the songs should be translated alongside the, you know, the, the text because you know how do you feel when you know little children watch a movie and suddenly everybody starts jumping and starts to speak gibberish because you mm-hmm. know that. And I remember those days when that wasn't the case, including Mary Poppins, which had beautiful Hungarian dub. And for some reason, some of the song in the songs, the song stuff, they start. Talking in a language I don't comprehend, and I was like, you know, bored by it. Like, how does this contribute to anything? So I have this kind of feeling. Uh, and the 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 pick I would do, you know, the, my favorite Disney musical from the golden age of the nineteen nineties would be Aladdin, and you know, not just because Miri mentioned it, but because this is the one I remember seeing in cinemas, like like with the whole family. On Chris, mm. around Christmas, maybe second or third day of Christmas or something like that, and you know, I don't remember the songs, which is a good thing because I just remember how much fun I had.
0: Mm. And Aladdin
2: was, I think, Aladdin was bigger in Hungary than uh, for, for a while. Lion King was very big, but Aladdin had a TV show which was huge in. Oh home. yeah. So it, 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 you know, in Hungary, we only had one TV channel, and every Saturday, you know, Sunday afternoon, they would play. This would be the cartoon that you saw that week. So mm-hmm. that was a pretty big deal, you know. I know by that point it came out. that Maybe that was maybe early cartoon network or stuff like that. But you know, the Disney Hour, which we had in the nineteen nineties, was such a defining feature. And you know, for a good good one year, it was just the Aladdin stuff in it. So, right. so you know, I'm still still have uh, you know something which you could cause their nostalgia for this brand. Not mm-hmm. the line. It's just... wow.
1: Yeah, it's funny. If I had to pick a Disney film. I don't have a particular reason for it other than that I just think I like this one the most. It would be The Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. Um, just remember that watching that movie over and over as a kid.
0: Mermaid's definitely good comfort food. Um, yeah. and, and, and Aladdin is too. Especially, so. especially when grilled, yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, if you haven't checked out our Aladdin episode, please do. Mm-hmm. So Miriam, uh, your next pick.
1: Well, I just told you about Little Mermaid, but <laughs> let me oh. let, let me think because you know I really had to think about this because I like like Gerke said, I don't necessarily put on uh, film scores or music in general to comfort me, um, and like I said, like I'm not listening to film scores so much these days anymore, like just for the sake of it, mm-hmm. um, but another one that I I've, that I've come back to regularly, and this one is is a Hans. Uh, Zimmer score um, if, if I want to listen again to something familiar and a movie that I've seen probably two, two um, more times than I should admit is Pearl Harbor um, really love the lush strings in, in Pearl Harbor it's very sentimental um, I would definitely put that on if I wanted to get into that kind of a mood mm-hmm. um, that and possibly Rain Man as well I love his score to Rain Man Um, that nice 80s vibe, um, which I was just about alive during that time, but I remember watching that film, um, when I was a teenager and really loving that, that music and, and those, those pan flutes or pan pipes, whatever they're called. So there, I've given you a whole lot. (laughs) Yeah, what what do you think of the Pearl Harbor sport?
0: I haven't seen Pearl Harbor, so I... Yeah, I, I kind of try to actively avoid Michael Bay if I can. Oh
1: really? Okay.
0: Oh uh, well.
1: Okay, you know. I, I think I get that coming from you.
0: <laughs> well, I, I I um to date uh, the third Transformers is the only movie I've ever walked out of halfway through.
1: Oh really? <laughs>
0: and maybe and maybe I shouldn't have said that on the air, but you know. I've hey, actually so never see seen them. have so two of them though. <laughs> um. I've only seen the first one, and then half of the third one. I uh, Everyone says that Revenge of the Fallen, which I think is the second, is actively the worst one, but I, I have been lucky to have been spared that. So,
1: um. By the way, also, I find, this, I find this really hard to choose because, generally speaking, I like specific cues from specific uh, scores, and I, I tend to buy the whole score regardless of whether or not I like the whole score, because I'm a bit OCD like that. I can't just have, you know, one track or two tracks from a score. So right. Like, there'll be cues here and there from, like, a John Williams score or, or, or someone else um, that, I'll, that are just so gorgeous. Like, uh, uh, what's that score by John Williams? Um, Tibet. Tibet.
0: Seven, <laughs> years Seven
1: Years in Tibet. Seven Years in Tibet. Like, some of that music is just glorious to listen mm-hmm. to, to feel a bit, you know, so... It's very general here. Huh? I'm speaking very generally.
0: Okay, all right. I'll go to I'll go to my next one, um, and I'm going to go in chronological order. So my next one comes in the 1980s, and so before I went down the route of serious musician, quote unquote serious musician, um, mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted to be a baseball player, and I spent years playing little league. I was, uh, you know.
1: I know what he's going I, to say next.
0: I made I made the all-star team once or twice, and uh, but I but around the time of high school, I found that I was completely terrible at baseball by then because I hadn't played in years. So, so I mean, I did the requisite you know couple of semesters of uh, sports, just doing the ba- just being on the baseball team before I went to college. Um, but I but I didn't see this movie until college, and no, to me, no movie encapsulates the pure fantasy and the pure nostalgia feeling of baseball better than the Natural. 1984 and surprise surprise that that randy newman score is just it's so lush and it's so beautiful and you know he said in interviews beautiful a beautiful movie like that because it's gorgeously shot i remember there's one scene in particular early on where they had to shoot at a very particular time of afternoon so that caleb dational the the cinematographer could get uh the right amount of sunlight for this required for the scene and you just hear, and you just see that coming from the movie and you hear it coming from Newman's music, um, whether it's the sad trumpets of Americana, or it's those really, really lush strings or the lovely wind-led cues and even the, um, the big ba-bum, ba-ba-ba-bum mm-hmm. gives me comfort here and there because that's that just- so
1: Copeland-esque.
0: It's extraordinarily Copeland-esque <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's what made me fall in love with the Copeland style. Right. Actually, so.
2: Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah,
0: on Comment any comments on the natural.
2: Well, for me, all of all of these American sports movies are a bit like if you watch a foreign movie without subtitles. Uh-huh. So even if the themes are universal, there are things I'm not going to get. Like, why would people watch this? Like the sport, not the film. And you know, then then I could think of, you know, what are the themes of this film? And mm-hmm. I would would take, would pick something that doesn't have baseball in it. So I mean, the the, the, the baseball films I I kind of understand are the ones i you don't have to understand the game because I can't emphasize how much I I I I and I think a lot of European people just don't get the American sports like football and baseball. So if a film truly transcends that barricade, it's it's I think it's uh, a <laughs> it's a rare uh, uh, rare. What I like is scrub because it's like it's not about baseball but about a very weird character who's just you know famous because of baseball so unfortunately for, for baseball i i can't add anything uh, much smarter than that and let me let me just think i uh, i think uh, you know uh, what miriam said about uh, you know pearl harbor is like i'm going to rake my brain for one of those you know zim uh, hans zimmer action movies and i think the one i watch the most is uh, is maybe broken arrow because oh. It's not that overexposed as The Rock or Crimson Tide. I think, you know, if, if that one became the favorite of temp track editors, we'd be living in a better universe. You know, <laughs> it's a cool thing that. It's, it's just, and you know, the movie is is like, it's not good in the traditional sense of the word. It, it just has its own rules. And as long as you accept those rules, it's one of the greatest things ever achieved with cameras. So yeah. it's just, you no know, John Travolta hemming it up. Uh, you know, lots of, you know, the almost wall to underscoring and this is a music I listened to a lot when I was like, uh, you know, going to uh, university and there was um, whenever I went home uh, for the weekend, this is something uh, I knew it's about the complete score was about 97 minutes, which was almost completely take up the road from door to door so I would you know it was also a great way of keeping time this was something I so basically when I was going home every weekend I would listen to it twice every weekend because it would be just you know to home and away from home so this is something uh, if I have to put something from the Hans Zimmer head I would pick broken arrow the, then I never pull hard boys. it's just uh, with Pearl Harbor, it's, for me, it's a bit like Titanic done badly, like, you know, it has the romance stuff, which mm. I just excruciating along. But it's awesome, but very short, very short. So it's like, yeah, so it's, I think it's almost like real time. It was meant to be almost in real time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The attack itself. And, you know, I, I want more attack of that it. It's
1: interesting that you mentioned that, because even though the score at, at certain parts is extremely romantic, mm-hmm. um, and it's beautiful, um, Attack. Um, is actually my favorite cue from that and, and
2: that was you know, that was redone because they, the original cue they did was like bonkers like yeah. like completely out of place of everything and I, I, I love that cue the, the original version they did for the attack and then they you know They made it a bit more. How should I say, you know, producer friendly or studio friendly, but the right. original one is just like Insane, like how did they think they would get away with it? And they, they didn't, so that, that was the best platform, yeah. All right, Miriam, yeah. I'm,
1: I'm gonna say here, and I should have mentioned it at the start pretty much anything by Thomas Newman. Oh, Jesus, we'll take, <laughs> we'll, we'll take, we'll take like multiple spots here. I mean, some of my favorites from Thomas Newman include Revolutionary Road, love it. Well, again. On a, Certain parts, because certain, like, quite aggressive, not aggressive, but, like, um uh, tense parts of the score that I actually never really listened to. But I love the opening cue, that piano and those drop voicings that he does. Gorgeous. Um, and, um, of course, Shawshank in American Beauty and Road to Perdition, and there are some beautiful cues in Angels of America. So, again, like, I, lo- I just love those... Those lush strings that he's so good at, his signature. Um, come on, Zev, you're also a massive fan of Thomas Newman.
0: Right, um, I, I had to. I had to, you know, limit myself to only one, well, and yeah, I'll okay. have. I'll have that. I'll have that one coming up after my number three pick. But we're still on yours. Well, I'm, so. I'm,
1: not, I'm not. picking one in particular. Here. I, I, will if I need to.
0: So, so we'll just go with relax, Thomas. We'll,
1: I'll, I'll we'll just go with. Li- yeah, I'm we'll happy to listen to anything, pretty much anything by Thomas Newman. We'll, I, we'll just go on.
0: Tom Newman, generally.
1: Oh yeah, totally. I would All recommend right. that to anybody who wishes to just sit back and relax for a while. Mm. Got it. Totes. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, um, I'll we'll talk a little more about Tom Newman in a little bit, um, but again, number uh, my next one. Uh, sorry, dear guy, this is a number. This is another sports score. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why sports scores do this to me, but. Um,
2: wait! Wait, but this, wait! Wait! Let Let me guess. Rudy. Jesus Christ! I, I knew I knew one of you is going to pick Rudy. I was just not sure who,
0: but now you know when it's a sports guy, he's going to pick Rudy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, sorry, I I, I I couldn't I couldn't pick Hoosiers just because I haven't seen Hoosiers enough times, and that's that's also that's a little more of an aggressive piece I think than Rudy. Rudy's just, um, it's just such a wholesome wholesome score. Again, those Copeland feelings, um, and. I mean, Sorry, it's,
1: excuse a, it's, my ignorance here, but who wrote the score? Because I'm not familiar Jerry, with.
0: Jerry Jerry Gold Jerry Goldsmith. Ah, okay, of course. It's you know, and generally, I wouldn't go with Jerry Goldsmith because if I want, if I wanted to put Goldsmith, we turn to Goldsmith mostly for his more innovative, um, you know, action or tension type of stuff like Total Recall or Basic Instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, but he loved writing this very, very lush Americana sound as well. And I think and this is probably there's some cues in Wind and the Lion that uh, have some really nice Americana qualities as well. But but this one, I think it's a further extension down that route. You know, there's some when I was actually studying the main Rudy theme, he doesn't use. And this is this is going to get a little music theory. i was studying it. uh, The the main theme. So I'm not going to. So forgetting about the chords for a minute, just talking about the melody. It uses, I think, almost every single note in the major scale except the fourth. It does not use the fourth in the major scale, which I found really interesting, uh, and the melody just works so well. So that's that's my little bit of music theory fanboy Jerry Goldsmith here and there. But um, no, I I mean, and this and this music, uh, there are some cues that just played in every single trailer known to man. You know, you, you would have uh, they were played in Angels in the Outfield. They were played in Goodwill Hunting. They were played in. Remember that DreamWorks movie Spirit mm. with the with the horses that they played in that trailer. And I think, you know, it's kind of it's not anymore just because you know trailers are vastly different now. But Rudy is just such a wholesome piece. Like, and I can't not I cannot not respond to that. So, R- Miriam, have you seen this movie?
1: No, I haven't. That's why I asked about who, who composed it. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, you've given me a list so long of movies to to, to watch that. So,
0: yeah. So, okay, <laughs>
2: they're, they're, but I'm going to give you one Goldsmith's trivia here is that, uh, you know, uh, in, in later parts of his career, Goldsmith did do a lot of action movies, which, you know, paid the bill, but I'm not sure how much he enjoyed that. He loved Rudy. And you can yes. literally hear it because at 3 3 minutes 4 seconds into the end credits piece you can accidentally hear him humming into his conductor microphone
1: <laughs> so you can
2: actually hear a piece of him humming and you know he notices and he stops it but it, it's just there i don't mm-hmm. know if they caught it because it's still in the film it's still on the cd so you can hear a bit of humming which is you know quite accidental but you know he he loved it he, he just just loved this mm-hmm. Uh, I think some presidents also love it because I understand it was used by several presidents over various stops, campaign events, and whatever, so,
1: right.
2: so it, it definitely
0: has a bit of magic to it.
1: Right. I'll have, to, I'll, I'm have when, to listen to this.
0: Next time I listen to that main theme, I'll have to check it out. Will, but I, you were, you will you were, I
1: enjoy listening to it on its own, or do I have to watch the movie?
0: No, I think you will. I think it works no. extremely well as music on its own. It's one of my all-time favorites. It's, I think it's my second favorite from Jerry. But yeah, yeah. were you gonna pick a Jerry for your list? Yeah, or? You know, now I'm gonna, you know. Now
2: <laughs> I'm just you know, quickly running down the list, like what I, what is something that that I actually, you know, just the list is a bit long, so allow me to scroll a bit. But I think I, I will go with something a bit more on the fun side, uh, and in that case, something that I see. So so you know I I as a child, you know, when we had HBO, a lot of these were there like. You know, uh, I I remember seeing Mr. Baseball. I remember Dennis the Menace, Melly, all the early nineties stuff. Oh, I'm going to pick Matinee. I think. I mean, I do remember seeing Matinee. <clears throat> HBO had this. Uh, you know, I don't know how HBO is in America or the UK, but in, in Hungary in the early nineties, it was like they weren't uh, they weren't always on, so they would you know stop servicing some parts of the day like at night or sometimes in the early days they would only sh- only work for eight hours every day at the night time but i remember matinee watching it in uh, on on sunday morning and you know i just you know, I, I think this is this is the movie I enjoy the most from this list. And even if the music is, you know, very much fun, it, it got, uh, you, it, have you seen Matinee? The, the John Goodman, Joe Dante, yeah. it's about a couple of teenagers growing up in the rocket crisis. And it has a master movie within the movie. And the master movie was actually tracked with uh, a kind of compilation record or something. But Goldsmith did write besides the score, he wrote all this kind of assorted trailer music, studio logo music for the fictional stuff. And he did a lot of this, you know, f- 50s, 60s kind of do up instrumentals to be used in jukeboxes, and eventually all of them were replaced by actual songs of the era. But these really cool goldsmiths kind of instrumentals were there just in case one of them couldn't be cleared. And you know, it has just such a strong feel of atmosphere and that shows you that life goes on even in the, in the darkest of crisis, because a lot of things like people panic shopping, are very familiar today. But, you know, they're still first love, first kiss, first dates. you know, when, when you you don't care about the end of the world, you just want to kiss that girl. And I, I really, really like that. There's even a sequence in it where where John Goodman explores the birth of horror films, and I use that even I talk about genre movies, I show it to my class to imagine how long horror has been going on. So for me, I think if I have to pick a Goldsmiths one, which I have nostalgic feelings to, Matinee is the complete package
0: i'll have to check that i'll have to check that out i, I went through a, i went through a little bit of a goldsmith binge last year uh where i watched uh logan's run and ghost in the darkness so i'll have to check out matinee as well a yeah. so right. signed
1: photograph of jerry goldsmith in his studio
0: i do yeah that, that was like <laughs> that was that was a gift from uh from the berkeley uh film scoring lab managers in my last semester so so I'm, i i have that looking at me as i write um yeah. so, so Miriam, we're to your number four.
1: I'm gonna well again, like I like I said, I didn't really have a list, so I'm I'm still mudding a few over in my head, so I'm gonna go let's go skip to you.
0: Alright, so this is my Tom Newman. Uh, and so it you know, it's very easy to fill up this list with just Thomas Newman and Disney. Absolutely. But I think I think this is I'm gonna go with this is not my single I think this is my second favorite Tom Newman score, but it's the one that made me fall in love with this music so um this is the his score for the 94 adaptation of little women i Ah, i mean so it 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 was a close call between this and how to make an american American quilt
1: Quilt. it
0: was a (laughs) very close call but i mean american quilt i turned to more for contemplation uh and you know deep thinking this uh little women i just turned to more for just comfort and because Little Women is a much more comforting movie um, than American Quilt. And it's, you know, it just gives you the warm, Christmassy, wintry, feel-good type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think his, his score is just so gorgeously orchestrated that way. Um, there's a lot of really beautiful themes in there. And uh, and some, like you said, some very nostalgic string moments
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and some personal touches that are just so so Tom Newman-esque, and it's a shame, it's a shame that that he didn't explore, well, maybe he did, I mean, but I think uh, of the two big ones he did that year, Little Women and Shawshank, he, you know, probably by, you know, probably by pressure from the studios, he probably was forced to explore more down that route, and you hear more of Shawshank's descendants in uh, things like Road to Perdition and uh, Revolutionary Road, so... Okay. But, um, no, little, little, little women just gives me all those comforting feels. So yeah yeah, you know, much more, sorry, much more than the Desplat.
1: I was gonna say Garga must be so surprised they haven't mentioned Desplat yet.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that's going to be maybe it's not nostalgic for you because it's it's contemporary and not something yeah, from exactly it's
1: all quite recent, so nothing
2: really, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, Gerty. Now I was thinking, like you know, I would never be able to pick anything from Thomas Newman. So I was thinking, what if I pick something from another Newman from mm-hmm. the family, like, oh. like, like you know, just uh, something? And you know, uh, you know, every Newman, of course, was a bit you know before my age. And even though I, you know, I, I have now. You know, put together like 50 isolated scores for all of his films. It's just something that I'm not nostalgically linked to, and the David Newman scores that I grew up with, I think, is not the stuff that you would like talk about on any kind of. But you know, I did like I I. Like in the ni- 94, 95, 96, he did all these kind of family comedies And that was right around the time when I was, you know, 12 So for me, something like uh, Jingle All The Way, Matilda Or uh, you know, even even, mm-hmm. even Flintstones or Tommy Boy are the st- are stuff I-, I remember actually sure. Like like these-, these are the things I, I would watch uh, multiple times um, Anastasia is actually like Anastasia in the sense that I... It's a complicated feeling. Like I I saw it a few times, and you know, I uh, I just thought it's like a bit too maybe. Too adult for an animated film, like maybe it doesn't even enough stuff for kids in it. But like like, like I, I really felt connected to this uh, this 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 mid mid-90s David Newman stuff because this is this is the this this was my jam back in the day. Even something like the Flintstones, like I actually like the Flintstones, the live-action movie. You know, I I knew the Flintstones, I wasn't a big fan of them, but I just love the the visuals, how they put together the uh, you know the the real life version of that word to me like that would be like amazing like to live there and and you know it was nice to hear the the opening theme in a kind of subda product version i think was the b52 so that was you know something i connect to. it's not it's not something i would you know like watch nowadays but this this does bring me back to those days so
0: maybe
2: mm-hmm. that yeah. that you know, david is my new man to speak for nostalgic value and maybe some randy like pleasant pillow stuff like that mm. oh
0: Pleasant! oh man i haven't seen that movie in ages jeez what, what are you guys doing in the quarantine like
2: you know just you know I, we should write a regiment like you know this movie today that movie, <laughs> like well this, well. this is the time of self. you know self uh, Dodgers, I, have a, just... I have a I
1: have r I'm not gonna lie, I have a really hard time um motivating myself to watch all these. I, I I I seem to always want to watch things that are made in modern day where you know.
2: Well uh, I, like... I, I have that's I, even, that's even last picture. So so and you just remind me of something very important. Thank you very much. So I on. feel
0: I feel it's a great responsibility to watch things that are both current and of the past. Uh, so I so couple of the movies that I watched recently, like I watched uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer uh, this past week, which was intense as hell. I'm a big uh, Yorgo Lanthimos fan, um, and that one was just off the charts good. He also did The Lobster and The The Favourite. But then, you know, I also rewatched, after having not seen it in like eight years, I finally saw The Dark Knight again a couple days ago, so... Um, you know, I just try it. Very
1: relaxing score. (laughs) It's,
0: yeah, yeah, I do not, I do not turn to that score when I need comfort, Jesus. Um, but then, uh, yesterday I watched, uh, an early Miyazaki, uh, Lupin 3, uh, which was his, which was his debut in the 70s but I think we're getting a little off topic here. So I'm gonna go with, and I almost went with uh, a Joe Haseishi score for my last pick. I almost did, but then I decided that Spirited Away has enough in it that's just so, a little discomforting and a little, and discomforting in a way that's just like really intense music, even though it does have some really, really relaxing, comforting things. I, um, I went with, uh, I went with Alan Silvestri. Oh, okay, so um,
1: that makes a change.
0: But it's not a Sylvester that you're gonna think. Um, And I'm dating myself here and I'm I'm gonna lose a lot of friends and a lot of, uh, well, maybe not lose a lot of friends, but I'm gonna get so much ridicule for this. Uh, This is 1998's The Parent Trap.
1: I knew you were gonna say that somehow
0: yeah there are some
1: really nice moments in that score no i totally get it
0: there are and you know i'm a sucker for well so much of the score and so much of sylvester is written in you know the the really melodic g major type of stuff and and i cannot not respond to that and there's some really nice you know wind led passages and Uh um it's just so super melodic he did a lot of scores in this vein in the in the 90s uh you know, prominently, Father of the Bride, and a little bit of Forrest Gump here and there. But uh, no, I, I think of those. Parent Trap is probably my favorite of that particular. Uh, it's not my favorite of his overall. That would still be Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think if if I want to put on something of his where I just need comfort, the Parent Trap is just so. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's a cynical movie in some some ways. But I I find it so. It's just such. It's a score that I just want to give a giant hug to.
1: Yeah, I think you're gonna have to admit here, though, that that's also, there is a certain element of, of wanting to listen to that for comfort is because of nostalgia. Like, it probably takes you straight back to when you were a kid and you saw that movie. Oh, without question. Yeah, for sure. See, that's how I feel about most most of the scores that I would put on to comfort me. It takes me straight back.
0: I might have lost Gary Gay's respect for that choice. <laughs>
1: He's
2: very
0: quiet. It's, it's nice <laughs>
2: it's, it's not. You know, it's it's uh, completely acceptable for me. I'm not a snob. You know, in fact, okay. I'm very opposite. So,
1: <laughs> I've got to ask. I mean, because James Horner has produced some also awesome like uh, scores that I could so put on to to relax or at least parts of his scores. What mm-hmm. what would you pick, guys? Like from James Horner, if you wanted to just chill.
0: Well, I'm 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 not as emotionally invested in James Horner as a lot of other people would seem to be. Um, if I were to put on something for comfort from James Horner, I don't know. Um, there's some, there's some nice passages from Braveheart here and there. Um, you know, some of the nice lyrical passages from Braveheart. Maybe I, I saw Willow a couple of weeks ago, and that was that was a fun score. Um, pretty bad movie, but nice score. Um, but. Uh, you know, um, I, I don't think I could pinpoint any one particular James Horner score just that I would want to seek yeah. out for comfort, yeah. honestly. So,
1: Kathy, do you have I'm, any any James Horner favorites?
0: Or? Stuff I like about him is the
2: truly insane dog stuff, like Gorky Park. So, um, uh, I I don't respond to any of his the I don't respond to any of the the schmaltz ones. So it's right. it's not German project right. So
1: yeah,
0: that, I'm not searching for Bobby Fischer, is what I'm saying. So yeah. Gotcha. All right, all right. So <laughs> I've I, I've given five. How many How many of you guys given? I'm not
1: counting, um, Zev. I told you. <laughs> uh,
0: um, no. I mean that's she's saying because she only gave four. Okay. okay, fine.
1: I have another one, but it's very modern and it's and it's. Just, that's
0: okay. that's, that's I just,
1: okay. As I was scrolling through my iTunes, I realized that this is definitely um, a score, and it's for TV actually um, that I put on if I want to just sit back in my chair, close my eyes, and and, and relax a bit. Um, is actually from Daniel Pemberton for The Dark Crystal. Um, I don't know if any of you have heard of it, but it was a show for Netflix, which I could not get into for the life of me. It was these very interesting, weird kind of characters from some other world. But the score is absolutely beautiful. I I was listening to um, something on YouTube. I think Ashton actually had just released a track, Ashton Beckman, and um, I was listening to it on YouTube, and I don't usually listen to spores from film or TV before I've seen, you know, the movie or or show that it's attached to, Um, but it was on autoplay YouTube, and it just came on, and I I, I did like a double take, like, wow, what is this beautiful music, and um, yeah, there it was, it was was the opening theme for um, Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, I would recommend it, and I, oh, very quiet. (laughs)
0: Well, no, I, I um am well, I, I saw The Dark Crystal, uh, the original Henson movie a couple yeah. of a couple of months ago. Um, I think that kind of put me off seeing the TV show for a little while, but i'll well, I'll try and check it out. Didn't like, um,
1: I wouldn't necessarily recommend the TV show. I didn't enjoy it at all, but the music was beautiful. Uh-huh. Um, I forgot who wrote the first one, Trevor. Trevor Jones. Trevor Jones. That's right, right. Um, That
0: that that was my favorite part of the movie was the score. Actually,
1: yeah, Yeah. well, it was uh, heavily influenced, I think, by the music of Trevor Jones. But it's really, I would recommend it, particularly the cue, "Speak to the Dead." I I just, I just adore it. uh Listen to it on repeat, many, many times. Uh
0: huh. Okay. So any any more from you, Jarke? Well, I uh, I would
2: uh, I don't know if it's the right time or place, but I just want to take my soapbox a bit because this this whole topic is 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 constantly something that's been a lot on my mind recently. And you know, I'm as much as I try to limit myself uh, on Facebook, like you know, try to you know be more productive. One of the things that keep popping up on my feed is just people watching Star Wars but, like, 20 of them. And, I, you know, I, I can understand watching Star Wars. Good for you. The thing I don't why you post about it? Like, it, it's just like, it's just announcing that I like vanilla ice cream. So <laughs> I, I do think that yeah, that when we are now stuck with more free time, everybody, even if you are working from home, uh, except for the essential workers whom we thank, I think, most of us have a bit of more time to, you know, burn. Uh, literally sometimes and just lit some candles. That's why I'm saying that. So basically <laughs> Basically, this is the time to what I'm using my time to is explore stuff that uh, I never had time to explore And now is the time and you know just watching Star Wars the ten years time is not that so I like to take my little soapbox and encourage everybody to To watch stuff, you know, you all had uh, the the important thing is that because if you don't watch new stuff and you don't keep up, you you lose your right to criticize that. Oh, there are no, you know, there's no great scoring done. It's only what was like 30 years ago. No, you just don't see it because we are all stuck in this time loop of watching the stuff we grew up with as children. And there's tons of good stuff out there. Go discover, watch. Exactly. exactly. You're going to come across shit. Should I tell you a little but secret, Gargay? Tell me.
1: <laughs> I've never seen Star Wars. So if I post but, it on but, Facebook, will I be discounted
2: from this little speech of yours? <laughs> no, I mean, this is, this is about everything, you know. It, I know, I'm just, I'm it, just kidding. It, uh, the, the Star Wars example is very interesting because it's it's not this thing I think is worth thing. Like, yeah. this is, like, uh, you know, it's not, not like you're discovering an obscure European art film that is, everybody should see. Mm-hmm. You're discovering a funny life thing. It's like... No, you know it, it's not you know. I think everybody who who wants to see Star Wars has seen it by now. So it's not it's not obscure. Anyway, and I don't want to harp on this one thing only. It's just uh, you know this is the time to go explore. You know, take the directors you like and see something that they didn't you Haven't seen it yet, or if same for composers, if you like Thomas Newman, you know, I'm sure nobody has seen Gank Ho. Go, that's my favorite Thomas Newman score. So mm-hmm. go, 1987
0: Ron Howard, you know, or uh, or Desperately Seeking Susan, or Men Don't Leave, or things like that. Or yeah. you, or, or you could take Garege's suggestion and check out some obscure European art films. Like I just right. watched, uh, right. I just I just watched uh, the Blue Angel a couple of weeks ago from von Sternberg. So that was, that was some old some old Marlene Dietrich right there. So.
1: And even not such um, obscure ones. I mean, uh, take Black Book, for example. It's a foreign language film. It's got a great score by Anne Dudley. Um, highly recommend. Uh, the Lives of Others, German film. Yes. Um, watch these films. They're, they're awesome. Look, I can't necessarily talk. I haven't yet uh, watched anything... That's not normally I, within my wheelhouse in this quarantine, but the truth is I've just been really busy, you know, I have three kids, and they're all home from school all day long. Um, but, yeah, I, I should. I, I'd like to. I'd like to I, branch out I a think, bit.
0: I think on our Princess Mononoke episode, I said something to the degree of watch every single Ingmar Bergman movie you can. You watch, Fanny and
2: Ale- yeah. watch, Fanny,
0: watch Fanny and Alexander, watch Cries and Whispers, The Seventh Seal, uh, Smiles of a Summer Night. Um... <clears throat> Well, actually, Cries and Whispers is just, like, one of the most demanding things you'll ever see, and I don't know that I'm necessarily going to get people into that. Mm. But, you know, hopefully.
1: Yeah, but even uh, not even not just to get better informed, like, film-wise, you know, even with regards to creating your own music, um, you know, right. draw so much different inspiration from watching things that are not the norm, not what you would normally gravitate towards. So um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, and if you have any... Do you have any was, comments
2: or anything, any Watch it with isolated scores, as I say always, you know. That's the right. way to learn about this. Just just right. get started yet. And, right. you know, remember that uh, I think that now a bit more intimate dramas will come out. Not Maybe not in similar, but more intimate dramas will be shot because that's the only thing we can shoot now. So, you know, more smaller films mean more work for composers. You know,
0: get on right. it. Okay, right. you know,
2: so that's true, true as well. Better. Right,
0: right. Um, and please, and please let us know uh, your... Scores that you turn to for comfort in the comment section. For sure. Were,
1: yes. yes. Yeah. Very let nice us
0: nice. let us know. So
1: awesome. Um, it's been a great episode, you guys.
0: This has been awesome. Thank you, Gary, Gay, thank and thank you, you so Miriam. Much. Thanks,
1: Evan Garvey. And uh, yeah. stay safe. Be well, and we'll speak soon.
0: Okay. Eat some
2: cookie. Eat, eat some cookie dough ice cream. <laughs> I mean, that's not a thing in Hungary. Actually, we don't have that. We do. We, uh, my, we have talent <laughs> the brownie one, but it's not brown enough for me. So you no. Know, okay. <laughs> bon appétit! It, it, it's like you know, they just put in like crumbled up biscuits and you know, you know give me more chocolate. I know I don't need a crumbled biscuit, it's disgusting. It just gets soggy and everything. Do you, do you, uh. get,
1: you get the main brands though, right? Where you are, I um, don't uh, no, We area, have, right?
2: I mean, we don't have, we, uh, I think you can get Ben and Jerry's. I've seen it, but you so know, you I'm. Get uh, we we have that too, but my, you know nothing beats you know nothing beats Cartador for me, which yes. is which is the one I grew up with. Comf, that's why it's also comfortable, But the new, t- you know, uh, and actually it was made in the city of uh, uh, the the company that makes a lot of these had its headquarters in my b- birth city, so it was like you know it's even
0: like a bit of uh, pride, pride eating that kind of ice cream. Mm-hmm. Ah. Awesome. Right.